Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Can we give our worship team just a big thank you this morning for leading us? So, so, so thankful for them. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to City Hope Church. My name is Bobby, and if I haven't got to meet you yet, I would love to do that. Thank you for, for choosing to be here with us today uh, as our worship team, man. They prepared so hard. All of our teams have worked really hard this week. We want this church to feel like your church, and uh, we're so, so thankful for you being here today. We're, we're praying, and our prayer all week has been that you would experience Jesus, and I know that, that, that God wants to speak to you. How many of you expect God to say something to your heart today? Anybody? Okay, good. You came a little bit with some expectations. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. The devil has been working overtime in my life this week, all right? He has been working overtime because I believe this is a message that he doesn't want me to share, and we're, we're in week two of a series we started last week called Roots. Roots, this is a series all about uh, the things underneath us, the things in our heart, the things in our soul that drive us, right? The things in our lives that, and sometimes when we think about roots and needing to be healthy, we think about all of our, our baggage, right? Our issues, the bad stuff, that's what, why we do what we do, why we say what we say. And, but, but we're focusing for these four weeks on good roots, the spiritual roots that we can put in our soul, in our lives, in our daily habits to, to help us grow. And last week we started with the first root, and it was real relationships, real relationships, not fake, not phony, but level 10 clearance in your life. Who are people that would, can say what they need to say, do what they need to do in your life? We all need to have those real relationships to help us grow as a follower of Christ. We all need people, right? We all need people. And we looked at uh, several passages of scripture, Proverbs 17, 17 was one of our, our, our focuses. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for difficult times, right? We need those brother friendships. And we talked about how the church, one of our roles is to help you find your people, help you get into those real relationships. And we do that through small groups. Well, today we're going to talk about the second root, uh, which is a core value here at City Hope Church. Today we're going to talk about a healthy God-centered family. How do I have a healthy, God-centered family? Now, I believe this is why the enemy's been after me all week, right? Because he knows that the family is the most important institution in the world. Your family is important to God. It is the most important institution in the world. I believe the enemy knows if he can destroy families, it'll have a trickle-down effect into every aspect of our lives, every single thing that's going on. And almost every time, it never fails, almost every time I start getting ready to preach about family, something out of the ordinary happens, something crazy happens, something unnormal in my life goes on. And this week was no different. You know, we plan our sermon series way out ahead, and, 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 but this week as I was preparing, I'm like, all right, healthy, God-centered families. Tuesday morning, 6.45 a.m., I get a poke in my side, right? And I'm like, whoa, it's just one of those scary you kind of wakes up, wake ups. And I'm like, what's going on? And it's my wife, Shira. She was the, the crazy one who's going to tickle you. Like, <laughs> just, it's, it, and she's like, babe, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you know, I'm startled, right? I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, I... I just backed up into your truck, and, and I'm so sorry. It's really bad. Um, I got to go to school. We got to go. And then out she went. And I'm like, 
What just happened? And so I walk outside to this. That's not a little backup bump. Right? Like she was getting to school fast this day. It was a love test. Yeah. It was 6.45 in the morning. And so, like, here I am. Oh, man, I'm preaching on healthy families, right? Good week to preach on healthy families. This is the filter all week that I've had to go through as I'm preaching on healthy, God-centered families. Now, my filter, and I'm, I'm being silly, and, and she was sitting here in embarrassed first service, so um, I, I didn't want to do it to her twice. But, but my filter for this week has been a little tough. And, and on top of that, man, it's just been a tough week. But here's what I, here's what I know, okay? Here's what I want you to see today. You have come in here today with your filter of what family looks like for you. We've got, we've got people married with kids. We've got people remarried. We've got separated. We've got divorced. We've got uh, aunts and uncles and grandparents and, and, and parents or, or, or you know, married couples and no kids. We've got a lot of filters, right? Teenagers, kids, uh, uh, step parents. We've got a ton of different filters as we look through what does it mean to have a healthy, God centered family? Now, right out of the gate, I want, you to, I want you to understand something. I want to make something very clear. And if you hear nothing else, hear this today. A healthy family does not mean a flawless family. So whatever your filter is today, whatever maybe, maybe brokenness or struggle or whatever piece of this as you're filtering through today, it doesn't mean a, a flawless family. Your family doesn't have to be perfect to be healthy and God-centered. And I want you to just please allow that to sit over us for a minute. Because some of you, man, you start thinking about health, right? And what do you immediately go to? All the things that are wrong, right? This, I got to work on this, I got to do this, we got this, we got this. And and I want you today, I want to try hard to encourage you to walk out of here for you to understand your family doesn't have to be perfect. And, And there is a little secret that as we talk about families, I want you to understand this secret. Flawless families are fake. Okay, I didn't know if you didn't know that. Like, Instagram isn't real, okay? All the videos, everything we see, that's not real. There's no such thing as a flawless family. You're like, Bobby, how do you know that, man? It's kind of harsh. Well, in in Romans 3.23, the Bible makes it very clear. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? So you may be thinking, dude, you don't know about my family. Well, guess what? We're all flawed. We all have sin. All of us mess up and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I believe that there are healthy families. There's no perfect families. There are healthy families. But here's what I want us to understand today. Here's where we got to get to in our mind. The journey is about progression, not perfection. The journey to becoming a healthy, God-centered family, it's about progression, not perfection. Are we taking steps in our family to build healthy roots Are we working on the things like, are we still having the same arguments we had year one in our marriage as we are in year 18? Then we're probably not progressing much, right? And and are we working through the anger, the bitterness, the, the struggle, the forgiveness? Are we working towards that? Are we taking steps in the right direction? Are we, are we growing in the way that we, that we argue and fuss and fight? Are we growing in those things? Or are we staying in that bitterness, in that unforgiveness? Are we just allowing it to stir? Are we taking progressive steps in our journey? You see, God created the family unit. Uh, It it was his plan. 
Remember, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he gives Adam a wife and he says, be fruitful and multiply. That means have children and go and, and multiply. And, 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 and here's, my, here's my part. Here's what I want you to do. I'm God, but here's your part. You're the family. You're the family. And this is a really big deal. All throughout the pages of Scripture, and we're going to look at some today, but think about this. The, the family is an illustration for all of us to understand what God's talking about, right? God is our Father. Jesus is the Son. Uh, uh, fellow Christians are what? Our brothers and sisters, right? Uh, uh, who, followers of Jesus are His sons and daughters. The family is used all throughout. All throughout Scripture. We see family as God's plan for our world. But if you know anything about the Bible and you've read through some of the stories, you know, I, there's not many stories in the Bible that you read and they're like, man, they got it together, right? Most stories in the Bible are like, these people are crazy. What is wrong with this family? There, there's not many that you're, you're going like, dude, I want to emulate them. I want to be like that family, right? We often read of, of struggle, of sin, of impurity of deceit like so many stories in the bible like disobedience we're reading this and if you think about it even the family tree of jesus had like skeletons in the closet right every family you read of and so if if we're reading all these stories this is god's word and we trust in it we believe in it and and if we read this here's the hope that you and i have Right? The hope that we have is even though we read of these stories with, with some crazy individuals and, and they're weak and they're scared and they're scarred and they're struggling, they're failures, here's our hope. God used them. God used them and he still uses them to this day. All the crazy stuff, all the messed up, like what am I reading type stories in the Bible? God used these people and he still used them today. And he doesn't use them because of them. He uses them for his glory. So that should give you and I hope in our flawed families. In the, and Bobby, you don't know what's going on in my house. Like all of that, that should give us hope to know that we have a God that will still use broken families. So today I want to just quickly just take a little short dive into a crazy family story in the Bible. If you have it, go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter number 12, it's a, it's a very familiar story, but there's some twists and turns. And you know, I truly believe if this family was alive today, they would have their own Netflix documentary, all right? They would, they would definitely be on, and we'd all be watching it and talking about it, okay? So if you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 12. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. If you don't have your Bible, um, we're judging you, but it's on the screen, all right? I'm just kidding, all right? It's a good Christian judge, um, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read through this story, so stay with me. It's, it gets really crazy, it gets really good. So it starts out with this promise. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives your, and your father's house, to the land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Man, that's the kind of promise I want God to give me right there, right? Like, come on, Lord, I need that. Verse 4, so Abram went, he obeyed, he did what God told him. As the Lord had told him and Lot was with him, Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the side of Shechem at the oak of Morah. The Lord appeared to Abram and said... Now, underline this to your offspring I will give you this land another promise from God 
So he built an altar there for the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there. He called it the name of the Lord. Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. Now here it's getting ready to get crazy. Verse 10, there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to stay there for a while because the famine in the land was severe. When he was about to enter Egypt, he took his wife, Sarah. He says, look, I know you're a beautiful woman, but when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They're going to kill me and let you live. So please say that you're my sister so it will go well for me because my life will be spared on your account. Ladies, how awesome would it be that your husband's like, hey, act like my sister, not my wife, right? You're like, oh, really? So Abram went, entered Egypt, verse 14. They saw the woman. She was beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her, praised her to Pharaoh. So the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, treated Abram well because of her. Abram acquired flocks and herds and male and female donkeys, male and female slaves and camels. His plan's working. He's like, dude, I got this. You act like my sister, everything's going to be good. His plan's working here in the short term. Verse 17, but the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with severe plagues because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh sent out for Abram and said, why have you done this to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her as my wife? Now, here's your wife. Take her and go. Get the heck out of here. Then Pharaoh gave his men orders about him and they sent him away with his wife and all he had. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray your blessing, the reading of your word. Lord, there's so much to unpack here, and I just pray that you would speak directly into our hearts, directly into our situations. I know without a doubt there's folks sitting in this room that, that are, are broken in their family, that are struggling deeply and mightily, God, and, and I pray that today you would give all of us encouragement that you are in charge. God, that you can mend broken relationships, that you can bring things back to life. God, I just pray that you would speak directly to our hearts. Change us and challenge us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So right off the top, God gives Abram some direction. He gives him some direction, but he also gives him a promise. He says, I want you to pack up, take all your stuff, all your family. I'm going to make you a great nation, man. I promise you all of this thing. And, and, and for some of us, man, we're like, dude, I want some of that. How do I get some of that? I want God to give me those blessings. I want God to give me some direction in my life. And sometimes when we read stories like these, we're like, man, I wish God still did that today. I wish God would still give us some direction today. Lord, I really need some. Well, this week as I was preparing for that, and I began to think about that question, like, man, I, I, man this, this, these first three or four verses, like, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. All these great promises of God. Man, if, if we could experience that today. And, and, and God kind of just began to speak into my heart, and he said, wait a minute. I've already given you lots of promises. There's a whole lot of promises for you that you can rely on today. And I want to share just a few of those with you today. There's a whole lot of direction that we can find in God's word. I was led to Psalm 103, verse 17 and 18. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him. Listen to that promise. I fear God, his love, his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. That's a promise from God. His love, his righteousness is going to be on me, on my family, on my grandchildren. If I fear him, if I live my life in, in submission to him. 
Then I was led to Proverbs 22, verse 6. Start a youth out on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Some of you right now, you got teenagers or older kids, and you're like, I'm about to kill this kid. Like, God, what are you doing? And there's this promise, like, what? If I start out a youth on his way, even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise that we can trust. Proverbs 20, verse 7, a righteous person acts with integrity. His children who come after him will be happy. Parents, isn't that what we want? We want our children to have joy. We want our children to, to, to grow up and enjoy life and, 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 and not struggle like we do. God gives us these promises. And, and when we dig into the pages of, of his word and of his scripture, that's where we find these promises that give us hope for our world today. And if we're striving to be a healthy, God-centered family, we got to go to God's word. We got to go to God's word. We got to get these promises. We got to get these directions because we're not going to find it in anything the world has to offer. So we get these promises from God. Abram gets this promise. Let's keep going. So he says, I want you to do this. If you do this, here's what's going to happen. So Abram obeyed, right? He obeyed. He got his family. He got all of his people. And then he left, right? As they're out, told you to underline verse 7. We're going we're gonna to come back to verse 7 here in a minute. But as, we're, as, as Abram and his family and his people are out, they're, they're going along. And then God gives him this next promise. And he says, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to bless your offspring. I'm going to give your offspring this land. Now remember, Abram's 75 years old. He doesn't have any offspring. He doesn't have any children at this point. And, and, and so just can you just imagine for a minute this promise that God just gives him. He's like, man, I don't, I don't really understand what you're saying here. Like, dude, I'm an old man. I don't have any kids. You're going to bless my offspring? And so just imagine this, this, this you know, thought process that he's going through. What's, what's really going on here, God? So here we are. He, he gets this initial promise and direction. He gets this second promise. And then something bad happens. Our family's following God. We're doing what you asked us to do, God. Then all of a sudden, a famine hits. All of a sudden, wait a minute, this isn't what we were expecting. Life has taken a little turn on us, right? So Abram, he starts, he starts taking his eyes off of Jesus. He starts having some doubts. His faith begins to start faltering here. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, things can get cloudy really quick, right? Like we understand that. And Abram begins to create his own plan. Well, God told me that he's going to bless me. And if I just will be obedient, he'll do this, this, and that. But man, there's a famine. Maybe, maybe he's taking a nap. He didn't see that. Like, like, I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. And so he comes up with this, this crazy man-made plan, right? Sarah, you got to pretend to be my sister. Then all will be good. And so instead of trusting God's plan, Abram starts creating his own plan. Now, how many of you know that God's plans are so much better than ours? How many of us, how many times have we tried and failed and we tried to do it our way and God said, no, 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 let me help you. As a matter of fact, uh, there's tons of places in scripture that speak to this. The prophet Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he's near. Let the wicked one abandon his ways, the sinful one his thoughts. Let, the, re, let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to God for he will freely forgive. And this, look at this, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. 
For as high as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Isaiah has given us this this beautiful description of what God said. He's like, you aren't going to be able to think on the level that God thinks. Your ways are not God's ways. Your plans are not God's plans. God's plans are so much better than ours. But here's what I believe. A a, a healthy God-centered family, a trait, a a root, if you will, yes, is trusting in God's plan. But another root is getting back up when we fall away from God's plan. When when, when we do make those decisions to go our own way, when we do do these, these things, Abram, he couldn't see it. He heard God's promises, but he didn't really understand it. And so he tried to create his own plan. In those moments, a root that we have to have is being able to get back up. You see, there's another promise that God gives us. Abraham's faith began to, to falter, right? His, he, he was like, man, I, I heard your plan, God, but, but, but 2 Timothy tells us that God remains faithful in when we are faithless. God, God remains faithful when we are not faithful. Because here's why, his faithfulness rests on who he is. It doesn't rest on your obedience and your life and the good things and bad things that you do. And if Abram, the the father of our faith, like one of the giants of the faith, one of the guys in the Bible that that means so much to to being a Christian, if his faith even faltered, what hope does that give you and I to be able to stay strong at all times? Healthy, God-centered families get back up after they fall. Healthy, God-centered families get back up after they fall. So Abram, his short term, his plan's working, and then something bad happens. Verse 17, the Lord struck Pharaoh, his household. All this bad stuff begins to happen. And what what, what it really is, is God brings light to the truth. God brings light to what's really going on. And they were able to see, wait a minute, that's your wife. You told us it was your sister, man. Y'all got to get out of here. Y'all are causing us a lot of headache, a heartache. And so God intervened in this broken, messed up plan that Abram came up with. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to shine some light here. And I want you to continue to follow God's direction. I want you to continue to follow my promise. And so Abram, he gets his wife and they leave. All right, we're back on track, right? We messed up. My my bad, Sarah, my fault. I, I, I thought this would be good for us. It didn't work out like we wanted it to. But here we go. We got God's promise. We got God's direction. Let's get back on track. Well, then his story gets a little more crazy. It goes, it goes a lot more. Chapter 13, we see that Abram and his nephew Lot, Abram uh, gives Lot all of this land. He's like, man, it's yours. It's yours. Whatever you want, it can be yours. Verse uh, uh, chapter 14, then, then Lot gets into some trouble, right? He's in this land. He's doing his thing. He gets into some trouble. He gets taken prisoner. Abram and all of his homies, all of his boys, they're like, man, we got to go get Lot out. And they go get him out. They go bail him out of trouble. And then verse 15, or, or excuse me, chapter 15 hits. And And some real kind of crazy stuff again begins to happen. And in chapter 15, at the very beginning, God kind of reaffirms um, um, uh, Abram in his covenant, right? He's like, all right, don't forget, Abram. Here's my promise to you. Here's my direction for your life. Here's what I want for you, right? And and remember, remember back in chapter 12, and and, and Abram got that promise. He's like, man, I'm going to bless your offspring, right? And he, he didn't really understand it. He didn't really get it. The best of my offspring, I don't have any kids. But then God kind of brings it up again in chapter 15. He's like, I, I don't have any kids. 
That's what Abram tells him. How are you going to bless my offspring? I don't have any kids. What are you going to give me? And Abram's like, all I have is like these, these slave children. They're going to be heirs to my throne, not my kids. What are, you, what are you talking about? And Abram couldn't see what God was saying. He couldn't see it. His situation wasn't, wasn't what God was saying to him. But I want you to look at Abram's response. Even though he couldn't see it, he's 75 plus years old. God gives him this promise of your offspring, you're going to be the heir. But look, what, look at chapter 15, verse 6. This verse is huge. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. What? Now, now think about that with me. Here's the guy that just created his own plan and that screwed it all up and messed up. Here's a guy that God's promised him that, that you're gonna, your offspring's going to be the heirs, and, and, but he doesn't see it. But the Bible gives us this verse, and it says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Don't skip past this. This is a massive passage of Scripture for you and me, that God credited Abram's faith to him as righteousness. His faith was righteousness. That's a, that's a root to being a Christian, that's a cornerstone for, for being a follower of Jesus, of our faith. Righteousness is by faith, not by works. God says, you are righteous because you believe me. Faith has always been what pleases God. Faith has always been what pleases God. You and I aren't righteous. Our family isn't God-centered. Our family isn't healthy because of our actions. Our family is healthy because we're full of faith. And that's the central message to this today. A healthy, God-centered family is not flawless, but it's full of faith. It's knowing, God, I don't see it. I don't understand it. God, I've screwed it up. I tried my way. I tried to do my plan. But God, I have faith that you can fix this. I have faith that you can help us take steps to healing. I have faith in you, God, that you can heal my marriage. You can help my relationship with my kids. You can help my relationship with my grandparents. You can do anything you want, God. That's my faith. So Abram's life, I want to encourage you just to go home and read some more. It just gets more and more crazy. <laughs> it gets more and more crazy. Starts to trust God that he's going to have a kid and his wife was not on board and, and, and they give the slave to Abram so they can have a kid together. The wife gets jealous, kicks her out and the wife gets pregnant, brings her back and it just, it's, it's dysfunction, right? It'll let you know that there's a family crazier than yours if you keep reading this story. And yeah, we can read about stories like this. And, and listen, times have changed, right? Customs are different. But if we dig in, here's what I believe. We can see reflections of ourselves. We can see that some of the same things that they walked through are the same things we walk through today. Same struggles, same hurts, the same, the same, I, I don't know about that, God. I don't see it, God. The same thing that we read these stories of different families but I want to speak this truth over you, and I'm going to ask Brad and the team to come on back up. Hear, hear this. Don't, don't, don't pack up and go yet, because I believe God has a word for you. Just because your family isn't doing well today doesn't mean you can't get better. 
Just because there's some hurt, there's some brokenness, there's some unforgiveness, there's some unresolved, we got to reconcile, there's some things we got to work on. Just because your family is, is, is not doing well today doesn't mean it can't get better. Relationship with your kids, relationships with spouses. I believe the greatest thing we can learn through these stories, it's not about the families, but it's about God's grace God's healing, God's love in broken families. Like, Bobby, I'm hurting, man. I'm struggling. We all have hurts and we all have struggles and there's no flawless family. And I want to encourage you today, don't don't strive to be a healthy, God-centered, flawless family. Strive to be a healthy, God-centered family that is full of faith, saying, God, I don't know it, and I don't see it, but I trust you. Lead me, guide me, help me take steps on this journey. Use our family to grow. Use our family. Lord, we, we've got a great story. We've walked through some stuff. We could, be one, <laughs> we could be one of the stories in the Bible. But this is one of the one of the most important roots that you and I will have in our lives because it impacts everything from generation to generation. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. And I want to speak a little bit of truth over your life today. I don't, I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're walking through. But can I, can I just proclaim this over you in your life? God is interested in your family. Maybe you're here today and you're single and you're struggling. God's interested in you having a healthy, God-centered family. Maybe you're separated or divorced or on the brink. I, I don't know. Maybe you have a blended home. Maybe, maybe you, you're, you're struggling to have kids. Whatever your filter is today, God is interested in your family. It's not too broken. It's not too far apart. There's nothing that my God can't do. And even Abraham, the father of our faith, his faith faltered tried to do it his own way God continued to show up let's stop striving to be flawless and let's start striving to have faith Father for these next few minutes as we as we just sing and worship you God as your word has been spoken to our hearts I pray that you would give us the proper response maybe it's just to reach over and Pray with our family. Maybe it's just to come before you. Maybe it's just to raise our hands and sing. God, I just pray that whatever it is, you would give us the boldness and the courage to take that step. Maybe it's reaching out to someone for help. But God, I pray, pray that each one of us would know today as we walk out of this room, first and foremost, you love us. You sent your son Jesus to die for us. And that's the most important relationship we'll ever have. 
I pray if someone here doesn't know that today would be the day of salvation. I pray for every family represented in this room. God, that you would give us a desire, that you would challenge us to build a healthy, God-centered family that is rooted in faith. God, speak to our hearts. Change us, oh God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you need somebody to talk to, we got some folks in the back. I'll be up here in the front. You need somebody to pray with you. But all over this room, as we sing out, as we respond to God's word, maybe you just need to, as a dad, just grab your family and pray. As a husband and wife, just pray, whatever it is. Students, maybe you just need to tell your mom and dad, thank you. Whatever God's leading to you this morning, would you be obedient? Let's sing out. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.